I am PYB. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of PYB's Beyond Basketball Podcast. I am James Seth Thompson, host of this podcast and proud board member of Philadelphia Youth Basketball. And as always, I'm joined by Kenny Holtzman, co-founder and CEO of PYB. Um, We have a great topic in store today and and some great guests, and we'll kind of jump right into that. We'll really understand the importance of wellness, you know, specifically mental and physical and how it impacts uh, very disparate communities uh, in and around Philadelphia. And we have two great voices that are joining us today to help bring this to light. So first up, we have Dr. A. Scott McNeil. Scott is the president and CEO of the Delaware Valley Community Health. Uh, and Isaiah Nathaniel, who is chief information officer at Delaware Valley Community Health, but also a proud PYB board member. So gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great. So Scott, I'll start with you. You know, why don't you just take a a minute or two just to give us um, a good look at your background, your career journey, and certainly your connections with PYB. Thanks again for for having us. I'm the CEO of Delaware Valley Community Health. Uh, I've been with that organization for 28 years. Um, I had been the chief medical officer uh, for that organization for a number of years before becoming CEO. I have a lot of healthcare experience, um, particularly around advocacy and public health in uh, in the Philadelphia area. And I also have had strong basketball roots for, I guess, my entire life as a, as a lifelong uh, basketball fan. But I think for the organization, um, just briefly about Delaware Community Health, we have eight locations and we continue to work with underserved communities, uh, particularly African-American, Latino communities in and around Philadelphia uh, in offering a, a wide uh, multi-specialty uh, services in primary care. So our services are very vast and attempt to, um, and I think successfully address some of the issues we've already talked about in terms of both mental as well as, as, well as physical health issues uh, that are in these communities. So just a real brief background. Great, thanks. And Isaiah, you know, obviously you work very closely with Scott, but again, you also serve as a board member. How about you spend a minute or two with your background and specifically your journey with PYB and what really excites you about being a member of the board? I'll just start by saying that I'm just grateful to be on this podcast with such an esteemed group of colleagues. I'll start very quickly by saying that PYB is geared to be the best and brightest and most dedicated organization to Philadelphia youth that has ever been created. I can spend five, 12 minutes talking about myself, but I think the impactful thing about today to talk about is why PYB exists and how it exists in so many different layers and tentacles and to bring healthcare to the conversation of youth development is most impactful for me. So being Chief Information Officer for Delaware Valley Community Health is it's a joy, but it's ability to bridge tech, to bridge healthcare, and to bridge my, my basketball experience to, to Philadelphia is what's most impactful to me. So I won't spend a lot of time talking about who I am, what I've done and what's going on. I really wanna spend the time talking about the bridge and the connection between PYB health and wellness and bringing the youth to where I think they need to be. Yeah, much appreciated Isaiah and and Kenny, you know, you are, you know, 
the the one person I know that has really good relationships with the people and the organizations you know we partner with. Um, just would love your perspective on Delaware Valley Community Health. You know your relationship with Isaiah and Scott. Sure, there are a lot of partners uh, you know with capacity uh, in, in our city and in our region in a number of you know domains. One of which is is healthcare. But not many of those partners uh, deeply get about the business every day, disparity work, serving the underserved, and doing so with a real eye toward empowerment and, and, and uplifting people. Um, Scott and Isaiah both uh, are serious-minded uh, Black professionals in our region. Uh, they both have a connection to youth development, uh, to basketball. And uh, they get fundamentally that if we want to give young people uh, at a big scale, the tools to, to self-determine. And by that, I mean the ability to set goals and to access both skill development and social and relationship capital to go about achieving those goals, that one's sense of self and mental health and wellness needs to be strong. It, it, it appears to me, and I'd love to hear what Scott and Isaiah have to say, that it becomes foundational for all other learning and development, that one can't develop um, socially and emotionally, academically, intellectually, physically and athletically, civically and vocationally, if they don't feel a sense of self and efficacy uh, and that they're valued uh, by a community. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's really important. Um, and and I'll love for Isaiah and Scott to, to touch on that as we have this, this dialogue. Um, I do wanna start off with something that I was hoping that we wouldn't have to talk about in the fall of 2021 and that's COVID. Right, you know, we've spent a year and a half talking about it's the spirit disparate impact on communities, but every current event headline today is still riddled with, you know, testing and vaccination, right? And obviously, those two things um, remain vital and important to our ability to come out of this pandemic. But obviously, there are still challenges with communities of color, right? So. Scott, how about you just start just by sharing a little bit about Delaware Valley Community's health um, procedures and initiatives to, to combat the, the pandemic? I mentioned earlier that, you know, this the organization is this is exactly what we're built to do um, as a federally funded organization that, that has strong ties to both city and, and state public health. Uh, we we uh, took charge immediately um, and we had started testing. Uh, very early in, in into the the pandemic, um, and then when vaccine became available, we started vaccinating our communities. We started in uh, maybe late January, um, and at this point, we probably have given out uh, well over twenty thousand vaccines across the region. I've been very public with this in terms of our strategy. Um, our strategy is not kind of a high volume walk up. You know, we are trying to get to uh, those individuals that you just mentioned. Um, on the, not only are we vaccinating um, anybody that, that comes in that wants it, but we are going through our roles. We're going uh, into 
um, our, our electronic health record uh, that Isaiah has been, done such a great job setting up to find these, these vulnerable uh, patients. It's, it's a very, very uh, high touch, maybe lower volume approach, but we wanna make sure that uh, anybody with any level of hesitancy, at least we've engaged and had a conversation. Um, so we feel really uh, uh, very, very good about what we've been able to do so far about vaccination, but there's still a lot more work to go. Um, we are finding now that we've begun to vaccinate children that are uh, eligible uh, for the Pfizer vaccine, um, that their response rate has been very good. Um, and, and in some ways has, has been a better response rate than, than their, their parents, um, which is very promising. Um, but it's still an uphill battle and we still have a lot of work to do. Um, we have lost a number of our patients to this, this epidemic, which is very, very hard for us. And uh, there are still many, many patients that despite all of our efforts are still very much hesitant about receiving the vaccine. And we respect that, although we continue to try to educate. You, you mentioned briefly something about technology. I just wanna ask, Isaiah, a quick question. You know, sometimes it's hard for people in our communities to find professionals like the two of you at uh, DV Community Health. Is technology, Isaiah, to Scott's point, a way that the organization can be very proactive in finding people who would best need the resources of the organization, especially during the pandemic? That's a great question, Seth. I mean, the direct answer is yes. Uh, as Dr. McNeil talked about, the EHR being powerful in identifying who needs the vaccine or who needs testing based upon their geospatial location to our centers. That's something that we were able to institute in uh, a quick and, quick and uh, pivotal moment during this country's pandemic response. Uh, but subsequent to that, there's this hybrid kind of approach that we have because you deal with not only patients that have equitable technology to be able to connect it in, but you also have those that do not have that technology. And I think I'm gonna make a lot of different parallels here because PYB is the same way. The star athlete will be noticed. You don't need technology. They will just be noticed because they're that gifted. But when you have those that are middle or considered lower grade, how do you find them and put them into a place where they can compete in the same arenas as others? It's the same thing on the healthcare perspective. And that's where the FQHC is so powerful in doing nationally, serving 30 million individual lives across the country. We're able to understand those communities, not just the high level, we're, under, un, 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 we're, un, we're able to understand all the complete picture of that underserved market and bring them to areas where they can get high quality, high impactful uh, healthcare services. And then PYB is doing the same thing, being able to serve all of the underserved youth and give them high impact and high deliverable value across the spectrum. No, I, I, I think that's amazing. Um, obviously there's a lot baked into this term of disparate, um, but access right, is, is usually the biggest, the biggest gap. And whether we're talking about the pandemic or not, you know, one of the, I don't know, terms or words that we hear a lot more now than ever before, specifically with black and brown communities is wellness. Um, and within that or under that umbrella of wellness, there's a extra need to focus on mental, physical and emotional health. 
right? Like when you think about the environments um, that many of the under-resourced or disparate kind of black and brown youth and families are in, these are areas of, of challenge. There's historical context to why, you know, that is, but how about you guys talk a little bit about the importance of this, specifically the mental and physical piece and, and how you try to show up to really surface the challenges and address them through the work you do at the organization? Yeah, it, it is a, a major concern and has been for, for quite a while. Um, our organization has had uh, behavioral health services, as we call it, uh, for probably about 15 years. Um, and, and we have it in an integrated fashion, whereas many um, behavioral health organizations are standalone where that's all they do. Um, our, as, as mentioned, our major focus is primary care services, but we do have integrated behavioral health services as well, so that our behavioral health consultants work right alongside the primary care doctors and, and other caregivers. So just to briefly explain our model and, and how we've been trying to address this for, for many years. Um, we know in our communities that uh, mental health and behavioral health issues is something that uh, we don't always seek out. Uh, we've, been, we, we've been taught that you just have to you know, deal with it and we don't share our problems. Um, and if there's some positive things, if you wanna call them that, that have come out of the pandemic is that um, people have been, because of telehealth, because we've been able to reach people through services uh, in a way where they can feel comfortable in their own home and not come out and, and, and face this fear and stigma of going and getting behavioral services, we've been actually be able to reach more people, uh, which is, is needed because this has been a strain on everyone. And we do not have and begin this to know how this is going to affect not only adults, but the long-term effects that this is going to have on children. Uh, we don't know what this gun violence situation is on the long-term effects of our children. We don't know what this pandemic affects. We don't know this, the, the, the interruption to their education. Um, it is really, really scary. And I think this is why um, having uh, an organization like PYB to at least have children wear a safe space to get physical exercise. They don't have to be the next NBA star, but they are out and doing something in a state safe environment and adding something else. And whether that lends them to now also get and talk about behavioral health issues that the PYB staff can then, you know, either deal with or, or, or refer is I think is, is really a great start at having these other organizations. It cannot be just the healthcare institutions that uh, are gonna solve this problem. Um, so that, that's kind of, I guess, a, a, a fast answer to where we are with this, but the services are there. Um, it is getting communities to feel comfortable uh, to be able to actually utilize them and, and for us to continue to try to figure out how to reach people and make them more comfortable in getting these services. Yeah, Kenny, when you think about the front lines of, of what we do with youth in our communities, like any thoughts on how the physical and mental challenges show up, right? And and really surface, you know, obviously we we put programmatic things in place um, to make sure that we as an organization are resourced to the youth. But I have to imagine the experiences you and the team have with engaging these, you know, uh, challenges to Scott's point, you know, we are helping youth who are in very challenging situations where gun violence is really prevalent, right? Or, you know, 
the 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 home is just really unstable for whatever reason or the community is unstable for whatever reason how does in your thoughts how does this really show up and how do we try to position ourselves to help the best way possible sure um so building on scott's comment i mean the last 18 months um has been a surfacing and bubbling over of so much if you think about um the disparate impact of the pandemic on families that had frontline workers and may already have had trauma in the home, um, missed school. Um, you know, young people in more well-resourced settings maybe had a few weeks of hybrid school. And then they were back with their peers and in front of teachers and coaches. Uh, not so with kids in the Philadelphia school district. You've got uh, overt racism and really egregious examples of it, uh, some but not all flowing out of the criminal justice system and policing. So it's been a convergence of any number of trauma building events over the last 18 months. And that's not to say that life was easy prior to the beginning of uh, the pandemic. So what we try to do in many ways is to put well-trained, culturally relatable and accessible coach mentors directly into the lives of young people. And basketball certainly is an attractant and is a context, but it's not the end all and be all. And uh, I went the other night to the uh, James Wright Rec Center in Mantua for our I Am Because We Are program. And that's largely for boys who have been arrested and then either adjudicated or diverted. But to say that they are at risk of being victim or perpetrator of gun violence is not an overstatement, it's the truth. And to look at people like Jaron Garner and Darren White Green and Aaron Crump and Kyle Lafferty in real conversations with these young people uh, off court talking about issues of identity formation, of masculinity, of who they are, what are their passions, how do they surface purpose, uh, what's been going on in their lives. This is critical. Uh, and so many young people are just craving the opportunity to have a safe space with a caring adult who loves them, with whom they have trust and they've built a community with uh, to be able to talk about uh, some real trauma that's going on in their lives uh, in constructive and nurturing ways. And that's fundamental uh, to what it is that we're trying to bring to uh, our city and to kids at a pretty big scale. Yeah. Isaiah, when you introduced the background, you, if I could sum it up, you basically said, hey, it's about the kids. Right. It's not about Isaiah and his role as CIO, but it's it's real about the kids. You know, you have the opportunity to fall right in the middle. You know, you work for Delaware Valley Community Health and you're part of the organization at PYB. Um, from your perspective, what excites you about what we're doing to really help address, you know, these challenges that Scott and Kenny just touched on? I'll sum it up with one word, but then we all know me that there's more behind that. And 
that one word is action. You know, being an African-American father of three children growing up in a pandemic where there's a hybrid of school that Kenny talked about, there's the racism uh, prevalent, more prevalent than ever before. It was a challenge for me and I won't shy away from that because I'm the leader of my household. So I'm having to deal with a wider range of emotions personally uh, for myself and then having to onset and take on the same emotions in different fashions from my wife, from my three children. But in the middle of this, we're in the middle of a pandemic where we need to service the 71,000 patients that we have at Delaware Valley Community Health. So there's this semblance. And what I respect about the two leaders of these organizations, both uh, Delaware Valley Community Health and Dr. McNeil and PYB and Kenny Hoseman, is that they quickly jump into action. I can follow that. I can follow action and steps. And there were clearly uh, a very, very methodical, strategic, and important actions that came from both organizations. So me, to your point in the middle of it, um, it was very helpful and uh, therapeutic for me to be able to walk into any of my arenas and feel comfortable, to feel appreciated, and to feel like I had the support I needed to do both my professional duties and my home duties as well. That's, that's awesome. And I, I think you bring in a perspective that I've shared um, a number of times on this. Um, being a black male father, head of household, two kids, and an amazing wife in a very challenged society, you know, and, you know, it just causes you, it, it forces you, not cause, it forces you to determine how to best use your resources, right, to affect those that are closest to you and affect those that you want to be close to you, those people who you may not be aware of. And for me personally, you know, when I think about the center um, and I think about the potential partnerships, right, that brings true tested resources to a community is that safe space. You know, uh, Scott touched on gun violence a little earlier and I can't help, it's not even all over the news, it's just all over social media, right? Every day in the city of Philadelphia, there's another person killed under the age of 21. A lot of times under the age of 18 and unfortunately sometimes under the age of 16. And, you know, I think we're always posed with the question, what do we do about it? But sometimes we have to be in the mindset of if we build it, they will come, right? And that's what excites me about not just having a physical structure, but it's having a physical structure with the resources that addresses the things that we're talking about today, the, the mental, physical, and, and emotional wellness. Um, and I don't want that to kind of, just kind of go up and smoke anywhere because it's not just about basketball, right? It is truly about how do we create the environment where everyone feels that they could, could thrive it and, and succeed. I had to smile when you said that uh, I, I was a AAU coach um, for, for a number of years. Uh, my, my son came up to the ranks and um, uh, was, had a great time coaching him and then watching him play at the high school and college level. Um, 
pretend when I was doing that. That was my saying all the time. If you think this is about basketball, you're missing my point. Yeah. Um, I used to say that to the, to the young kids all of the time. And I, I think that as we talk about what we try to do and accomplish through these different organizations, I don't want to underscore just the visibility, just the visibility of the fact that, that, that you know, when, and I've been doing mentoring for, I don't 20, 25 years. And I've often gone to career days and all these kinds of things. And, you know, when you talk to young people straightforward, they look at you as saying a doctor and all these years it takes to become a doctor, I could never do that. And I always try to relate and say, you know, the amount of time that, that and, and the, the core values that we have taught you to play basketball, you have no idea how applicable they are to anything, to any career goal, but particularly becoming a physician. That same level of dedication that same level of repetition, all the things that, that you, know, you need to do to become a great basketball player, they're easily, easily transferred over into medicine or probably any other career that we represent here. Um, and, and, and having the visibility of, of people like ourselves, because when I go and mentor and talk to young people all the time, particularly young, young black uh, youth, you know, what I ask them what they want to do, what, are they, what, are, what is the answer? It's what is visible to them. They want to be a baller, they want to be a rapper because that's what they see as success. Um, and for us to be able to show that, yes, you can be successful in many other things as well. So you know, I at 6'3", Isaiah, what are you, 6'5"? I mean, when they see, you know, you know what, what former people that, that love basketball, play basketball, look like them, but, you know, um, but, but didn't end up playing basketball, use those skills for something else. I think that's important. So as much as what PYB is doing in terms of all the support systems that they have, just to having the visibility of people, as Kenny said, of people that actually care about them, regardless of their, their, their background, I think is really important. If I could jump in there, because I think that I would love to pose a question. Let me uh, pose a question to both Kenny and, and Dr. McNeil. As leaders of organizations that have some semblance of intersection, um, why did you guys feel it was important to jump into action while everything was going on? I'll start first, and we are not nearly as storied and established as Delaware Valley Community Health. We've been, we're in month 76. So when the pandemic happened, you know, maybe we're, you know, a bit over five years old. And I thought it was really important um, to prove both authenticity, capability, and understand uh, when there is a sense of urgency, especially when it's unanticipated, um, good organizations figure out how to become bolder, more courageous, more impactful, more relevant. And when we had quickly uh, you know, had pivoted our core programs into a virtual format. And we thought that was responsible and reasonable. After about six weeks into it, what we quickly discovered is that young people did not need more online connection. They needed to get back in front of peers and adults who were going to reassure them that things were going to be okay and that those kids mattered and what they were experiencing needed to be expressed and embraced. So when we had the chance to, you know, repurpose the 23rd Street Armory and to convert it into five classrooms, a cafeteria and two basketball courts, 
and to figure out how to deliver programming with masks and declaration forms and sanitizing surfaces and all that we did, uh, we jumped on that opportunity. And it was hard and inconvenient. But I, I got to tell you, Isaiah, I think that it was that moment on August 1st, when we opened up learning pods, school day learning pods, and then our after school and evening program shifted there as well. So we were in motion from 7.30 in the morning to nine o'clock at night. I felt like we proved to ourselves and to the community that we had real chops and a bona fide commitment to show up for young people uh, when they needed us most. That's really great. And this is what makes PYB so special. I, I think to, to answer similarly for Delaware Valley Community Health, I, yes, we did pivot. And yes, that there was a lot of new things that we added, but I, not to, not to steal the Marine's thunder, but you know, we as, as public health entities, we always run towards the problem. That, that is what our role is. And I think what is, is um, I guess, kind of not seen is that we're always here. So, you know, for our organization, and, and we share this frustration internally, yeah, we're in the spotlight right now because it's the middle of a pandemic and everybody now is seeing what great roles that we do. And we're all over the news and everybody's covering us. And I think it's fantastic. But, you know, when the pandemic dies down and the news cameras go away, we've still been doing this. We've been doing this for 52 years. Gun violence is not new in the black and brown community. You know, and, and there's always an epidemic. There's an opioid epidemic that's still going on. There's a COVID epidemic that's happening right now. There's the epidemic of, of black men dying 10, 15 years younger from treatable diseases. You know, th this has been going on and continues to go on. And, you know, unfortunately in this, this media environment that we live in, things get sensationalized because it's the greatest story. But, you know, what's happening in terms of healthcare for our communities is, is been going on for my entire career. Um, and unfortunately it will still go, continue to go on. So um, it, it isn't so much that we had to pivot and, and do a whole lot of new things. We just had to beef up the things that we were already doing uh, and pivot to this particular epidemic and this particular crisis. Um, so I guess that's the, my response for how Delaware Valley Community Health responded. We are the safety net. And when I say we, uh, earlier Isaiah mentioned FQHCs, which stand for Federal Qualified Health Centers, you know, uh, and the network of Federal Qualified Health Centers in the city, in the state, and across this country. Uh, are the safety net of healthcare in, in this country. And this is what the role that we're here for. You know, I, I wanna end on something that I think is kind of a, an exciting venture between both organizations. Um, it touches on something that's, that's really important. So, um, you know, so there's this uh, internship program, right? Between Delaware Valley Community Health and PYB for high schoolers. Um, that focuses on experiences in the healthcare space, but with an emphasis on technology. And I talk to my kids all the time. I do a lot of recruiting for my firm. Technology is everywhere. You don't have to be at a technology firm to be in technology, right? So Isaiah, Kenny, what really excites you um, about this uh, internship partnership? Um, and what specifically do you think makes this really important for the, the high school youth? I think for me, what makes this important is the intentionality of it and opening up to what Dr. McNeil was saying, another avenue to see what can be possible. 
I think the way that this is crafted, it's not only showing that there are other ways to generate income and become productive citizens, but it also shows that there is something different than being a baller or a rapper. And so that in a very succinct sentence or two is why I'm so happy about this internship. Me as well, Isaiah. And one of the, uh, I would say the aha moments of PYB of the last year or two is that although our sweet spot has been early adolescent kids that kind of fifth through eighth grade and rightly so, those are the real formative years we have the ability through organizational partnerships and other relationships inside of the, the coalition that we've built is to expose young people to what I call um, multiple action pathways. That when young people begin to get into high school and we would love to think that every kid is gonna go to college and then figure out uh, some form of career pathway um, whether that happens or not, uh, giving young people the opportunity for pathways to experience uh, careers and bodies of work that they can then develop is critically important. And we're thinking about fields of you know, coaching and mentorship with us. We're in conversations with uh, Sharif El-Mekki um, from the Center for Black Educator Development about careers as educators, um, the Delaware Valley Community Health Internship, careers in health and wellness and healthcare technology and data management. Um, we're gonna be spending $25 million to build the single most comprehensive, impactful youth development and community empowerment center of anywhere in the country. There will be opportunities for young people to experience the skilled building trades, carpentry, electrical work, plumbing, roofing. We think in our B building, uh, the, the auxiliary building next door to the center, that we have the opportunity and Isaiah and, and other board members, Kofi Lindsay, have brought to the fore the idea of hosting an incubator or accelerator for high potential black led entrepreneurial ventures, give young people the opportunity to work with an early stage company that may fuel his or her own uh, entrepreneurial passions and capabilities. These are all different pathways. And I think what we've got to recognize is that in educated, empowered, middle-class communities, whether it's at the dinner table or whether it's with a, you know, in a car ride with one of our kids to and from a basketball practice or game, there's all sorts of conversations and exposures beginning at a pretty early age about what are the things in the world that young people might wanna get fired up about and excited about and on a track to pursue. And we think we've got the ability to replicate uh, and provide the supports of what otherwise is really reserved for uh, middle-income, well-educated, uh, empowered families and what they're able to do for their kids. And we want to reweave that tapestry for kids who might not get that level of early exposure and, and career growth opportunity. 
Yeah, thanks, Kenny. And, and, and obviously, um, the work we're all collectively doing to be able to create those spaces um, remains a priority. I think we're, we're all excited um, for similar and separate reasons um, for the, the future of PYB and certainly the partnerships we have with great people and organizations like um, Delaware Valley Community Health. Um, last thing before we, we close down here, Scott, you know, purely with your um, community health exec hat on, if there's one kind of call to action, right, you would, you would place in the hearts, the minds of, of those who listen to this podcast with respect to community health and the importance of physical and mental wellness, what, what would that be? Well, so many things come to mind, but um, I, you know, I, I guess one of the greatest barriers that, that we have in terms of reaching communities and, and is, is eliminating the, the, the myths and false information that is out there through social media. It, we, we are creating some of our own barriers. The healthcare system has enough barriers in it already, uh, but to create these additional barriers that um, people are, are too often want to believe what they are seeing and reading uh, online um, and through social media. And it, 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 it's just very frustrating right now that we have to now dispel those kinds of rumors uh, in addition to the things that are factual. You know, there are been racist and biased things that have happened in this country that, that keep black and brown folks from getting the kind of care that they should get. And many other underserved communities, regardless of skin color. Um, but um, uh, I guess that's one thing that I think is, is something that I wish that there would be a, a more work from the community um, that, that has to happen because we, we can't stop that. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Um, so let's collectively agree that we want to close the access gap and we definitely need to eliminate the noise, right? Because uh, that'll, that'll create uh, a broader gap that will require way too many resources. So um, I really appreciate that. Um, and definitely, um, again, really appreciate you, Scott, and Isaiah on joining us um, on this episode. Um, so thanks again. Look forward to all of the great things that are coming um, our way collectively in partnership with, with PURB. Thank you for the work that you do, um, both at the Community Health Center and Isaiah or as a board member at PYB. So much appreciated. Look, I think we had a very uh, intriguing conversation today. I hope you really appreciated um, the thoughts and the perspectives on this podcast. Please remember to not only like our podcast, but subscribe and share and follow PYB on every single social media outlet. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.